Welcome back to another episode of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Meacham, former UC basketball player from 1997 to 1999 under the legendary coach, my man, Bob Huggins. And I was fortunate enough to wear the iconic Jordan brand unis during my time. The Bearcat Basketball Podcast is now presented by the Healthcare Management Group. Shout out to everyone at 8CMG, and thank you for the support. Now, you can follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, at Alex underscore Meacham. Meacham spelled M-E-A-C-H-A-M. Now, we are live at Mio's in Clifton. And if everybody give a round of applause to uh, the owners, Rich and Kelly, for all their hospitality here, show some love. Rich is in the house. He's a little sad right now from the Bengals game. That's all right. If we can give a round of applause to our support staff, Colin Cruzy and Stu Holt for uh, making all this happen sound-wise. So show some love. Now, uh, just a couple uh, housekeeping details. We are live before every home game, basketball home game, two hours before tip-off, so you can always come in, get some pizza, have some drinks, and then head over to the game. Uh, the following podcast that we have done here live thus far, we interviewed former Bearcat great Keith Greger, Deontay Vaughn, number four all-time leading scorer, walk-on legend Zach Tobler, and definitely one of our Bearcat legends, Corey Blunt. Now you can find the Bearcat Basketball Podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and our YouTube channel, Shine One Media. Now, next podcast that we will do live, we're considering doing another podcast uh, prior to the shootout. The Crosstown shootout is next Saturday, so we're thinking about doing a special shootout podcast uh, during the week, so we're looking into that. We'll get more information out on that. December 14th versus Florida A&M, we will be back here live with another podcast and we will announce our special guest at a later time. This segment is sponsored by the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Cincinnati. They have a new flexible bachelor's degree that will allow you to graduate conveniently and affordably. You will not lose any credit or have to start over. Bearcat fans, I'm excited to welcome in this next Bearcat great. He played for the Bearcats from 1994 to 1996 under the legendary coach, Bob Huggins. Played in the NBA and also overseas from 1996 to 2010. The 6'9", power forward from Rochester, New York. I'd like to welcome in, everybody help me welcome in, double zero, Art Long. Give him a round of applause. Big Art, what's up, man? What's up, Alex? How's it going? Hey, you guys hear that voice? <laughs> He's got the better voice than I do for the podcast. Uh, tell everybody what you're up to these days, where you're living. Um, I just currently moved back to Cincinnati about a year ago. Um, just working day to day. Got a regular nine to five, working, uh, you know, just taking care of my business and staying relevant. Good. Now, the Bengals just lost. You were a Giants fan? Because you're yeah. from New York, right? You're a Giants yeah, fan? Gi Giants How'd your fan. Giants do today? Uh, Giants were being the Giants today. <laughs> <laughs> we lost. We actually lost. We lost, too. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of football, Art, mm -hmm. have you had a chance to really follow the Bearcats football program and what they're doing right now, the amazing things? Yeah, I've been uh, 
you know, going through it with people about him all year long, you know, um, especially as of right now because, uh, you know, with the, the uh, championship thing, the way the bracket goes, yeah. and, you know, yeah, I've definitely uh, been kind of familiar. I'm not familiar with each player, or you know, but the team-wise, yeah. So when you played, much like when I played, the football team wasn't as popular as the basketball team. And I remember when we would go to the football games as a basketball team, there wasn't anybody there. And I always tell the story, Art. One time after practice, we went over to the football game, and Kenyon Martin literally laid out on the bleachers because there was nobody there. Nobody there. What was the football program like when you were there? Um, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, it was up and coming, you know, so, I mean, it wasn't many fans, uh, you know, football fans back then. It was pretty much basketball, but, you know, like I said, they've, they've, they've made a change, you know, with a few coaches and, you know, getting some recruits. You know, as of right now, things are looking pretty good. I mean, what, 13-0? 13-0. 13-0, yeah. Looking very good. Yeah. Uh, but before we uh, transition into some other topics, I do want to give... For the Bearcat fans out there that don't know, um, I'd like for everybody to make sure you keep former Bearcat great Herb Jones in your thoughts and prayers uh, right now. Um, make sure you please uh, keep Herb Jones in your thoughts and prayers. So um, one thing I want to talk about, uh, I want to get into for the Bearcat fans that don't know, Art, is how you became a Bearcat. What led you to Cincinnati coming all the way from New York and you made some JUCO stops, correct? And you ended up playing for the Bearcats. Well, tell everybody how you ended up being a Bearcat. Well, um, coming out of high school, I was Prop 48, so I had to choose uh, junior college by way of Forest University. Right. And um, I actually, like you said, I attended a couple, couple schools, a couple different junior colleges. And... Um, my first one, uh, actually my first one where I played basketball at Dodge City is where I met Coach Harrison. Uh, coach Harrison was uh, assistant coach for Bob, Coach Bob Huggins then. I think he's coaching with uh, assistant coach for him now too. Yeah, Larry, Larry Harrison's coach, assistant coach at West Virginia. West Virginia. Correct. And um, that's where I met Coach Harrison and um, that's where we began our relationship. So what other schools were recruiting you and what was your final decision? I need to be a Bearcat. Oh, man, I, uh, well, coming out of junior college, coming out of high school, I was highly recruited. Uh, by the time I left junior college, um, I had a decision on playing in, in college or going to the next level. And that's where I kind of like, got myself in some trouble, you know, talking to agents and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, uh, there were schools uh, universities throughout the country recruiting me. So what, what made you decide on being a Bearcat? Well, like I said, me and Coach Harrison, uh, we had uh, we built a relationship in Dodge City, Kansas. Um, and uh, I actually was supposed to come to University of Cincinnati after I left Dodge City, Kansas, but because of things happened, I was unfortunate. I ended up going to another school, another junior college for another year. And uh, played basketball and, like I said, got highly recruited and even had the option on going on to the next level. But um, even through, you know, the downs, Coach Harrison and University of Cincinnati stuck by my side. So 
um, you know, I kept contact with him, close contact with him, and, uh, you know, and Coach Huggins, when I came on, the, actually, when I came on my visit, it was Nick and, uh, Nick, it was Nick and Corey who, who, who took me out and hung out, and, you know, I kind of got a feel for those guys, and, you know, and they explained to me that how Coach was, and, you know, you know, I, you know, like I said, I had met Coach, so. They like, told you he was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> crazy as uh, man. But, but uh, you know, he was a good guy, and, you know, um, made me feel good, made me feel like he, he really wanted the, the same things I wanted as far as me to be a better basketball player, to be a better person, period, you know. And, you know, that's, that's why I chose to come here, because of Coach Huggins and his coaching staff. Yeah. So, uh I want to I want to go right into your playing days, uh, starting in 1994, and we're live at Mio's in wow. Clifton with uh, Bearcat great Art Long. So, going into your playing days, tell everybody what type of game you had in, in high school, how many points you averaged in high school, and then going into we're going to dive into some of your stats playing for the Bearcats. But right. were you a different player in high school than you were yeah. in college? First of all, Alex, you need to stop saying 94, 96. You want to tell these people how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. No, I'm no, sorry. But, um, yeah, I, um, I, was, I was a totally different player in high school and junior college before I came to the University of Cincinnati. Um, in high school, actually in high school, I, you know, I posted up. You know, I was on a, uh, you know, mid-range, mid-paint player. But in junior college, I was able to, you know, spread the ball around, move around, face the basket, and stuff like that. Um, you know, Coach Huggins saw different and wanted me to do different. So, you know, when I came here, you know, not only did, you know, I felt like he made me play my back to the basket, but there was reasons for that because, you know, you know, we worked out and I actually, when I came to UC, I think I was 215. By the time the season started, I was 235. Wow. Was <laughs> so, that, were you Mickey Marotti? I was just about to say thanks to Mick. <laughs> thanks to Mick. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yep. And um, I mean, I felt comfortable. I mean, that's what I wanted to do. I mean, especially after it, I felt it was easier than facing the basket, you know? And um, it's just that sometimes I would get caught in between and, and being indecisive. And that was my problem, I think, in, in college because in high school, I averaged about maybe about 15, 16, 17 points. And I think in my junior college, it's, it's a little bit more than that. But it was a consistent double-double every night. Yeah. You know, double, re uh, 10 and 10, you know, rebounds and stuff. But I think that was the biggest thing besides, you know, that. I, I would, you know, average, you know, three or four blocks. And that was another key to my game that not only was give a double-double, but you know, you get two, two or three blocks. Yeah. You know, I think I had I had a record here for a minute. Um, I think I and I never looked up looked into it. You gotta do that for me one day. But um, Corey Blunt had a block shot record here. Corey Blunt had the shot block record. Something uh -huh. like that, or something. And I thought I blocked. Got I thought I broke his shot, uh, his record. And in Kenyon fourth year, he broke mine. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, I believe that. I, I, don't, I don't know how it goes. You know me. I just don't keep up with that stuff. But um, I heard that before. 
Yeah. Now, you, you mentioned some guys. Can you tell the Bearcat fans uh, who were some of the guys that you played with on your team that first year? Um, first year, um, obviously, uh, Damon Flint. Damon uh, Flint. Right here from Cincinnati. Point guard. Um, great guy. Funny. <laughs> yeah. You think character. Uh, Keith, Keith Legree. Yep. Keith Gregor. Uh, Donnell Burton. Mm -hmm. Lizelle Durton. Oh, Lizelle. Somebody asked me about Lizelle the other day. Have you, you speak to Lizelle? Yes, I did. He's in Toledo. He's going to come and do one of these. Yeah, you let me know. I'll Later in the year. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get you his number. Yeah, Lizelle was the, he was a senior um, when I came in. Okay. Yeah, so that, that was, oh, I only played one year with Lizelle. Okay. Yeah, and uh, they talk about Steph Curry. Oh, I, I used to watch Lizelle shoot from half court on a regular to win, to win games. Man. Like, Teams, teams would uh, set up their defense, and uh, we would just give Lizelle the ball to bring the ball up, and he'd just get his right over half court and, and let it go. Teams <laughs> think he's going to come to the three-point line. They stand back, you know. <laughs> right. And Lizelle just walk up and shoot. And Fired up. Yeah, it was the easiest thing, you know. With, 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 with Lizelle Durton and Donnell Burton, my two years there oh, in Cincinnati, man. <laughs> hey. two, those two, those are two best shooters I've been around. I play with for sure. Yeah. So, and, and I do want to talk about um, Lizelle a little bit more in a minute, but I want to talk about your adjustment from coaches you had prior to Cincinnati, and then playing for Bob Huggins. What type of personal adjustments did you have to make? And that's. That goes back to the question you just asked me why I chose University of Cincinnati because God bless my high school coach, Sal Rizzo. What was his name? Sal Rizzo. Okay. Um, Sal Rizzo and Coach Huggins are similar. They're both perfectionists. Um, they both want the best out of you, you know. Um, you know, even, even though Coach, you know, he shows you in a tough way, he shows you. A lot of people won't show you if they don't care, but Coach, he shows you. And, that's how he gets the best out of you, you know? And my high school coach was was similar to him. Um, I mean, my, my junior college coaches, and they were a little bit more lenient because I, knew, you know, I guess we were a little, little bit more older there, I guess, adult-wise, young adults, but they were pretty much the same. Yeah. yeah. So I usually ask a lot of guys this. During your career with the Bearcats, playing for hugs, how many times did you want to quit? <laughs> every day. <laughs> Everybody every, says the same. Every day. It's, it's always something different with Coach. I mean, I always tell the same story. I remember we was playing Canisius, I think, in a Christmas tournament. Maybe it might have been a Thanksgiving tournament. And um, we, we were beating Canisius by 20 in the first half, I think, and ended up losing by 20. And uh, after the game, we sat in the locker room and coach screamed and, you know, just tore, tore us a new, yeah. just tore our heads off. Like, and uh, we thought it would have been, we thought it was over. He walked out and everybody started getting undressed, coming, getting, you know, ready to go. He came back in and was like, no, we got to put your practice gear on, it's dry. So we sitting there wondering what's going on. We sat there for a minute, guys were wondering what was going on. So he sent 
the ball guy in. I think his name was Joe Roberts. Remember Joe, Joe Roberts, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> My yep. guy. Is Joe still around? He, he's the uh, athletic director at Princeton High School oh, that's here right. in Cincinnati. That's, that's good. Yep. But he sent Joe in and, and said that, told us we all had to come back out in the gym and we had one minute to be out there in our practice uniform. So we like, man, we about to practice. Yep. We went out there in our practice uniforms. He made his speech. And then he made us run the stadium, made us run the stairs. Right after the game, it was a 12 o'clock afternoon game on ABC. And the reason he made us run is because if you remember uh, the club primetime. Yeah, yeah, primetime used to be right over there. Yeah, yeah, we went out the night before. We went out the night before. Uh, he found out? Yeah, he found <laughs> out when we lost. So, you know, you guys want to party. You got enough energy after practice to go hang out. So. He figured he'd take all the energy out of us. And I think we, I don't think nobody went out for that, the, the rest of that week. <laughs> yeah, I know? bet not. Yeah. And I, we moved, you know, because it was crazy because that's where you even got guys like Damon Flint becoming believers where I, I think we ranked fourth in the nation after that week, something like that. So it was like everybody, Damon's like, man, this dude's no magic. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's different. So did you see there was a clip uh, on ESPN this week where a coach during the game, college coach, made his team run sprints. Did you see this? No. Uh -uh. So I'm not sure what team it was. It was like, oh, Arkansas Pine Bluff is playing somebody. The coach is upset and during it, he calls a timeout and he says, get on the line. And the team ran sprints during the game, mm. during the timeout. I had flashbacks. Is that hugs. legal? <laughs> I don't know, but he is that, hey, is that legal? <laughs> he did it. That's like he, the team. That's like if I'm coaching, I, I can I can call a timeout because I don't feel that my team's ready to play. Yeah, and I can get them on the line and get their adrenaline running, make them run a, a, a couple of suicides, <laughs> and then get out there and play. Now my team's ready to go. While yeah. your team's sitting over there like, I I don't know. It was I, I think it was towards it was towards the end of the game. Uh, but it was all over, so I'll have to show you the, the video clip when I get a sec. But um, now, during that 94 season, and, and this is your first year, you guys had some big time games. So, for example, you guys play North Carolina, with the time is number two in the country, and lose 86 76. You go on to beat Minnesota who was number 11 at the time in overtime, 91-88. But the game that I think, I know for me and a lot of Bearcat fans that no one will ever forget, and I want you to talk about this game, was the game at Wyoming. Oh. When, when Zell. That was one of the games hit that half court shot. When Lazell was Lazell. Theo Ratliff. I remember that game. Mm -hmm. I remember we, uh, we went up there a couple of days early because of the uh, getting used to the, the yeah, altitude. The altitude, and uh, it was rough. And um, you know, during practice and for those couple of days, we thought we were ready for it. And um, you know, we all know now, but you know, practice is different from games. You know, because of your adrenaline. But right, it came game time, and uh, it was a good game. Uh, we thought we really could, you know. Beat Wyoming convincingly, but there was a, it was a dog fight. You know they had uh, they had Theo Ratliff who uh, went on to play in the NBA. Yep. 
Uh, it, I think it was a first round pick. Uh, and they had a couple guards. I can't really remember their guards who they were, but I think we went to overtime. I think we went to one overtime. The Wyoming? I thought well, it was. A, I think it was in regulation. Was it regulation? Yeah, it was regulation that. Yeah, it was Zell that, got fouled and then he made the the free throws. The free throws. Was it three of them? It was three of them, and he was he was shushing the crowd as he yeah, was making the free throws. Right. And which, I, oh, that's right. And I was like, I remember that. I just I couldn't remember. I thought he hit. I thought he hit a three, but uh, yeah, yeah, that must have been again. He got fouled. He hit the three free throws. And um, it was due to that, it was just that altitude. It was, man, everybody was complaining, drinking. Tough to breathe. Yeah, it was tough. And we thought, you know, because we practiced up there a couple of days after practice, we, you know, we weren't feeling it as much. And we thought we were ready to go in there and really just walk, walk through them. It was a dog fight and coach was on us. I mean, you know, you know how coach is. You know, if you miss the box out, you come out the oh, game. Oh, you you're out. <laughs> you're out. <laughs> yeah, you miss. You miss a, you can miss a guy. You can have a ball, make a shot, and miss a guy for a layup, and coach will take you out. <laughs> right, no question. <laughs> That's how Coach Huggins is, man. No doubt yeah. about it. Yeah. So you had some other big games that year. Uh, you guys played Cal, who was yeah. number 24 at the time, and lost that game. Played Georgia Tech, who was number 17, mm -hmm. won that game. Yeah. Uh, played Arkansas, number Arkansas three, in Hawaii, and lost. Yep. Yeah. I mean, those are some. I mean, that out of conference schedule is crazy. The amount of yeah. You know, top-ranked teams you're playing. I mean, for you, being a guy that comes in his first year, to play that type of schedule, TV games against that high-level competition, man, um, how, how's that feel for you? I mean, we we didn't think much of it. I mean, at that point in time, that's where Coach wanted to put uh, the University of Cincinnati basketball on the map. You no know, doubt. Yeah to play the good teams, you know, you bring in the type of players that you can compete with those type of teams. And, you know, that's the difference between, you know, then and now, you know, you have to, like you said, you look at the schedules and, you know, you wonder why the stadium isn't getting full. So you look at, they say, you know, you look at UC football, you say the stadium's getting full because now they're in a, a different conference and they play yep. a better competition. So that's how it was then, you know, we didn't look at it as, you know, something to be afraid of, you know, you, even in you, like you mentioned that we played all those teams, and that year, my my final game, we lost to a team that was ranked what one in the nation. Ray Allen, what were they ranked? Three. Uh, one, two, your last three. year, UConn was what three? That you talking about in the tournament? Yeah, we yeah. lost to them in the tournament. Yeah, and uh, we actually had a chance to beat them. Yeah, that game hurt. Like, you know, you know, when I look back on my career here at UC, it was like the things that you know now about the game. And the things that, you know, Coach Huggins tried to show us and was telling us, it was like, you know, if we just, we could have grasped it a little bit, a little bit more, like, you know, if we had a, you know, a greater opportunity. I mean, we still did, but, you know, it's just, I don't know. And, and then talking about, I'm glad you brought up that UConn game in the, in the tournament that you guys lost. Mm -hmm. Ray Allen. Donnie Marshall, yeah. Travis Knight, yeah. Kevin Ollie, Kevin who ended up being the coach, were all yeah. on the team. That's my, me and Kevin Ollie were good friends. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, he, he won a championship, right, as a coach at Utah, yeah. right? Did he win? Yeah, like six years ago, five years ago. Yeah. Like yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So uh, another game that I want to talk about, which is such a big game, and we're, we're getting close to that, is the Crosstown Shootout. Um, your first year, you guys beat Xavier 87 uh, to 80. Now, coming from New York and, and JUCO, 
coming to Cincinnati, you heard about the shootout. Like, people were telling you this is going to be a big game. Did you realize, like, how important that game was to Bearcat fans, the city, when you were here and in, in actually playing in it? I really, I really didn't find out until my second year. Uh-huh. You know, um, when I came in, everybody talked about it. And, you know, you, know, you get hyped for it. We're young, you know. But uh, we won. So, you know, I didn't really, I didn't think. It was like no, normal. Right. You know what I mean? Won. My second year, I think we lost. You know, and then, you know, it's just like everybody looking at you. Campus was quiet. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right. I was like, what's going on with everybody? You know, yeah. so. I really felt that the second year more than so the first year because, like I said, you know, just the the, the, the atmosphere, the attitude on campus, campus was just different the next day, and it was, you know, for for a couple of days, you know, everybody was really bad about that. Right. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, I felt that's what it was, you know, like it's, that people take that that game like serious, you know, I mean. I mean, we're not like I said. The first year we won, but we played in Xavier Gym. You know, it was it, it, when it felt like a high school environment because that gym is so small. Yeah, right. You know, how they call that a university with such a <laughs> small gym. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 so the Bearcats tonight play Bryant, which they're hoping to who? Uh, Bryant. Oh, Bryant. Bryant is oh. the name of the school. Oh. Yeah, I don't. So, yeah, <laughs> hope hopefully they get the momentum and and develop, uh, so they've been struggling offensively a little bit, Art, and you know, they played Miami Oxford uh, last week, and then a week before they lost to Monmouth. So they've got to get some things together tonight because after the game tonight, they have a little bit of time off and then they play Xavier, so they need to be ready you know, for Xavier and you know, getting back focused. Um, but I do want to jump into your, your last year I want to talk about your, your senior season. Um, this segment is sponsored by the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Cincinnati. They have a new flexible bachelor's degree that will allow you to graduate conveniently and affordably, and you won't lose any credit or have to start over. So your senior year, uh, looking at 1995, um, going into that, and, all right, we, we, we got to talk about it. You, you remember James White, who played for the Bearcats and in the NBA and, and, and Flight White, when, when, when I put out on uh, social media that you were going to be our, our guest and you were coming on, James hit me up. And he was like, man, if you don't ask him about the horse, man, <laughs> he goes, I'm done with you. <laughs> so a, a, lot of, a lot of people ask about that. And that happened in October of uh, 1995, I believe. It was October? I think it was October 1995. And it was right? Yeah, right here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right here. Ironically. Right outside. Um, yeah. Toby, as we discovered, was the horse. It's Toby. They gave him a name. First, uh, his, first his name was Toby, and then they gave him the name uh, Mr. Ed because of the TV show. Uh, Mr. Ed? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, what, what do you want to say about that? Uh, Danny was with you, right? Yeah. Honestly, it was Danny Fox. <laughs> Yeah. So on record, it was Danny's fault. It was Danny's, it was Danny's fault. Danny know that. Um, yeah, we were just riding by and ended up getting some tickets from, uh, I forget the officer's name, but he was on Mr. Ed, Toby, whatever. And um, 
after he gave us the tickets and told me to park the car, I went by the, the pet, pet uh, Toby. Wait a minute, who was petting Toby? Uh, I was. You were I was. I was uh, attempting to pet the to horse. Pet Toby. I, I actually I did petting a little rough, but you know I didn't punch him. I you know smack him. Yeah. And, I, and when I petting him, while petting him, it just cuffed me. The next thing you know, they say I punched the horse. <laughs> that was the funniest thing though, because after he handcuffed me right here, Danny had already walked up the street. Up Right, he's standing up here in this corner. So when when, he, when Danny see me getting handcuffed, he goes ballistic and he just comes running down. Hey, what are you guys doing to my partner? And you know, it's crazy. I'm like, Danny, chill out. They grab him, handcuff him, hauled, He's still going crazy. They hog tie him, pick him up. Oh wow, and he's a big he's a big boy. So yeah, that's I, I, they had about six or seven guys pick him up. Wow. Him. Yeah, and it was it was unbelievable because. I didn't even know, but the fan they had to have the fans were being held back, and it wasn't, you know, the the, the officer, you know, I think, was, you know, was a little embarrassed. Yeah. You know, and um, you know, we we probably were we we had been drinking, so we probably were a little loud, and you know, you know, so we were we made our wrongs and our rights, so we worked it out. And, and, and the thing about this, Art, that, that happened in 1995. If that happens in 2021, everybody's camera's out. Yeah, and it's from, all over social media. Yeah, if you actually punch a horse, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it will be on social media. How, how wasn't, much, huh? What's the name of that TV show? Uh, where the guy knocked the horse off the room? Oh. I don't know. The, sh the, sh the show or the... I'm not... I don't know. No. Uh-uh. No, so, so when you're when you're around town and you're, you're back in Cincinnati and, and people know who you are, do they, do they ask, how much do you get asked about that? I mean, people come up to me all the time and, you know, tell me I was a great player. And a guy the other day, at a, I was at the casino with a friend and um, we were actually leaving. And the guy said, all right, what's up? I said, what's going on? And um, he was like, man, me and my dad was just uh, talking about uh, the best center UC ever had, man. And I was telling him about you, man, and this and that. And, you know, so I hear, you know, people talk and, you know, say what's up all the time. Oh, that's good. That's, uh, that's what's up. So, so going into the season uh, 1995, you guys finished 28 and five. Now, you averaged your first year uh, 12 and 8, 12. I believe, right? Like your that. second year, 9 and 8. Mm -hmm. Okay, not as many points. You're still steady on the rebounding. Mm -hmm. what, what, was the, what was the difference there between season one and season two offensively for you? I think more, more so, like, I never, I never knew what, I never knew what was my, what was my, my future held. And um, even even though I was considered to be a decent basketball player, I never thought that I had a chance to play professionally. Um, I never knew about overseas, traveling about the world, going to play basketball. I didn't, when I was in school, I didn't know anything about that. I never thought I had a chance to play in the NBA. Um, until it was like one day throughout the mid of my senior season, and because, you know, like, you know, coach was wondering why I wasn't shooting the ball as much and why I wasn't trying to score. And I 
just playing basketball, just having fun, winning games, when I do whatever. But, you know, um, he brought in, I forget his name. At a point in time, he was, he was working with Portland, the Portland Trailblazers. Okay. And he came in and we, we, we walked through the gym after practice and walked. And he said, he just wanted to let me know. He said, right, I just wanted to let you know that, um, you know, we have been watching you since junior college. And you had a good first year. And now all you have to do is, you know, in the resident your season, you know, being productive, and you have a chance to play in the next level. Wow. And that's when I would think I, you know, started to think more about. It motivated you. Yeah, it motivated me about far scoring and, you know, becoming to try to spread my game out. You know, the season was, you know, about over then. And because we ran a motion. Y'all ran the same motion as us, the same motion yep. they run in West Virginia. Yep, yep. <laughs> but, um, you know, I didn't think, you know, a lot of times because coach would always tell me when, when I got right here, I got rare, he would get so excited if I attacked from right here or right there. So you always want to please coach so you make sure you right, you know. Right. I would not think about raising up, shooting three or pump faking or even fake like I'm about to shoot it. I didn't think about that in the game because I didn't think that's what coach wanted or, you know. Like, I could play any one through five coming out of junior college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, junior college, I was actually doing a little bit of that. Even when I got to the next level, I wouldn't play, uh, you know, as far as two, one, and two, but three, four, and five in the NBA, I played, you know, like in the front of the press or offense, I played at three. I'm only 6'9", so mm -hmm. that's average size on the next yeah. level. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. Now, uh, your senior year, the, the game that I think not only for – Myself, but a lot of Bearcat fans that everyone remembers, and that was that game against Arizona, when mm -hmm. Arizona was number 16 in the country. It was the seven-up shootout, and um, at the time, uh, you guys were coming out of a timeout, I believe. Uh, it's a tie game, and uh, Damon Flint's taking the ball out of bounds, and it was a little duck in for for Danny. Damon throws Danny the ball. Danny turns left shoulder to go up, and he gets stripped. Looked like he got fouled. I thought he got fouled. Mm. And Danny gets stripped, and with time running out, Miles Simon from Arizona mm. takes one dribble and from the opposite three-point line, launches it up, makes the three, Arizona wins. Now, you were, in the, you were right next to Miles when he was throwing that up. I got a picture of me and Miles tonight. I was just about to look for it on my phone from that game. Right before we got the ball, coach called timeout. And uh, coach drew up a play for us to spread out, you know, because they would have to foul us or I think we were winning at that time. I think we were up one, one maybe two points. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. But the play was to get the ball in the post to Danny and for Danny just to hold the ball, not to shoot it. And Danny got the ball and attempted to shoot. It went against his coach. Went, he went against coach's word and lost the ball. We lost the game. When Actually, when the ball, however it flipped out, somebody knocked it out, when Miles was reaching for it, we both were actually, I think, fighting for the ball. Yeah. And he got the ball. And from this free throw, Shot it up, and it hit, I think it hit on net. I don't even know if it hit the backboard. And we were stung. We had them beat. 
And boy, that locker room was. Oh, man. That yep. locker room was like the Cincinnati Zoo. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Huggins, Danny Forrest, and our Damon Flynn, everybody. We stayed in the locker room for about two hours. And I mean, it was so we were so upset because that was a big game for us at that point in time, moving up in the brackets. I think Arizona was ranked two, uh, top ten. I don't know, but you know they had Ben Davis, Miles Simon. Uh, they had what's the guy Gary, something Gary, Reggie, Reggie Gary. You know those three guys both went on to that next level. Ben yeah. Davis, Reggie Gary, and Miles Simon. They had a good team that year. We had them beat. We were supposed to. Be, we had a lot of guys beat. All them games we lost, we never got blew out. We just. It's always for simple mistakes, mm-hmm. and that's why I, I watch coach now, and I say coach has gotten soft. You know, I look at the type of players he got, but he get guys with great talent, and but I just don't see him leaving it on the court for him like I think you know we did. You know, like when he was here at UC, you know, it would, it would have been a great thing to get Coach Huggins back here. The way things look now. Yeah. You know? Now, when when let me take it back to the, that shot. When Miles Simon threw that shot up, and you're standing right here, could you could you see it? And, and were you like, "Oh man, that's good." Yeah, that's why I looked back there because when he shot, I watched the ball go. I just I can see it now, just floating in the air. Like we didn't think that it would go in, and and when it hit, it was crazy. But like you're just like, man, we shoot that shot 300 times a day in practice and don't make one. Right. Right. And he just picked the ball up and launched it. In to like win it the game. To yeah. win the game like it was nothing. And I was just like, man, like, that's why I said we were crushed. We were, as a team, because we wanted to be, we was, there was, you know, so much trash talking going on that we was going to beat them. And, you know, we had them. We had them. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think, like, all, all season, as the season started to progress, I think the really the energy and the hype behind that team, your guys' team that year, you know, was starting to build. And then the NCAA tournament comes about, and you guys make a run. You make it to, you're at, you're at Rupp Arena, uh, playing uh, Mississippi State. The game and, I wish I could get back. Man, talk about that. Why, why, what, what about that game? Well, we, we struggle offensively, and we still didn't lose. Uh, but by four or five points, I think. Um, not only did we struggle offensively, we did, we played terrible defensive, defensively as a team collectively. I mean, you know, that's my first time in that year, I think, playing against a center that size, Eric Dampier. Eric Dampier is like 7-1. Yeah. And I just thought he, he was, was tough. So, I just thought he was huge. He wasn't tough. He was, he was a big body, you know. Yeah. And, uh, he made it tough for me. I only have four points. I think I hit a couple jump shots and get a layup. You know, I think I got one put back that game, not knowing I could out jump over him instead of trying to think of going through him. You know, and we had a rough night. Keep so, right so was Dampier a lot different of a player when you actually played against him versus what you thought he would be? Everybody's always like that. Yeah. You know, you always give your opponent, you know, the the the, high, the upper hand. Until you get out there, you know that's just that's how the, that's why everybody has the chills before the game. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you just knew you were better than him, you would never have the chills. You know? Right. So that's why anytime I have a game, I like to look down and see who's nervous and see who's not. You know. Yep. In our mind, when we play for Coach Huggins. Everybody's nervous because they want to play against none of us. You know? Yep. We all contain something that they don't want. So the Bearcat Basketball Podcast is presented by the Healthcare Management Group. Shout out to everyone at HCMG. 
and thank you for the support. So, you, you know, you finished your last game with the Bearcats versus Mississippi State. Uh, tough loss because, you know, you guys could have, you know, made a nice run to the championship. We would have won, huh? we won the championship. Yeah. Who would you have played next? Syracuse. Syracuse. And, yeah, who, Syracuse and Kentucky. Who was on that Syracuse team? John Wallace. Wow. From Rochester, New York. Yep. Oh, yeah. Your guy, huh? Yeah, that was one of the biggest reasons, you know, I really wanted to play against him because, you know, they had to be. You played him. against him growing up? Yeah, we actually, I beat John Wallace in the semifinals for my high, last high school championship. Oh, wow. My senior year. Yeah. Now, now how big is he? He's 6'9". He's 6'9"? Mm -hmm. So you guys battled. Yeah, we would have definitely battled in that, that UC game. They probably, in that game, if we had to play Syracuse, um, our fans would probably have saw a whole different me because I would have probably played normal basketball because I was playing against a guy that I grew up playing against. Yeah. It would have been, I could imagine that. I would have been, I, I, we wanted it so bad. Like, we talked a couple times on the phone, and, you know, I kept telling everybody about it. That's why when I, I remember the day, like, when we lost that Mississippi State game, I sat on that bench and I didn't even realize but I was tearing up and everything's getting blurry. I'm sitting there like, man, is this really happening? This is my last, this is my last game at UC. Like, who wants that? <laughs> and you know, that, I'm glad you said that, Art, because a lot of people that play, when you're in the grind, right? So mm -hmm. you're in the season. I mean, it is a grind every day. Getting yelled at, you gotta go to the weight room, you gotta yeah. study, it's cold in Cincinnati. But then, as much as you complain about it, or we complain about it, right. when it's over, it's like, man. Damn, it's over. <laughs> right? What am I going to do now? Yeah. You know, and it's, it's always been the same way. Like, that's why I always said earlier, like, I never knew what I would do. And that's the feeling that I had when I was sitting on that bench, you know. You know even though, you know, I had, you know, the opportunities that came about, I never knew that, never thought like that. Yeah. I've always been a modest person. I don't look at myself as being, you know, so it was like, man, this is the best basketball. This is the best place to play basketball. I want my kids to come here and play basketball. Like, I love you, see, I love Coach Huggins. And now for me, it's over. What am I going to do? So right. It was like, well, well, talk to us a little bit how you ended up um, in the NBA because you went undrafted, mm -hmm. right? But yet, you know, you made it there. So talk about that process. Well, um, well I was supposed to get drafted. I went to, uh, I went to Portsmouth, mm -hmm. Portsmouth, Virginia. I did pretty good in Portsmouth, Virginia. Um, after that, we got an opportunity going to the uh, Chicago yep. uh, pre-draft. And I actually did pretty good there. And um, actually, after the Chicago draft, I got the call to where... To that I would be getting drafted. And, um, they didn't tell you what team, but they said you'll you'll get drafted. Or they, they actually they actually told me what they, he told me. He told my agent was telling me that Houston and Indiana they both liked me. I did a I did a I did a forty eight hour workout with Indiana. Um, and that's another secret that probably about to get revealed that nobody know about me. The whole time I was at UC, I was on parole. And when I, when I went on that 48-hour visit to Indiana without telling my parole officer, 
he wouldn't let me go to any more workouts. Really? That's why I didn't get drafted. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of people always thought it was something else. But uh, I went to Indiana without telling my parole officer. As soon as I got back from Indiana, Houston called me and wanted me to come to Houston. And um, I couldn't go because of him. So the word in the NBA was like, who does he, who does he think he is where he can miss workouts? So yeah. I didn't get drafted. <laughs> so, okay, so then what happened? How did you end up in the league? Well, the, later on that year, you know, I, um, I worked out for a few teams. I worked out with Portland in the summer league. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I could play a little bit. I did pretty good. And Portland signed me. That was actually, excuse me, that was actually a year later because I went overseas, but just a year later, 98, 99. And uh, that just so happened a lockout year. Remember the lockout they yep. had in 99? Yep. I was one of the guys that affected uh, Remember the guy, the point guard from uh, Xavier, Mike Hawkins? Yep, mm -hmm. absolutely. Me and, me and Mike Hawkins were both playing for the Portland Trailblazers, and uh, me, Mike Hawkins, and Brian Grant were playing for the Portland Trailblazers. Brian Grant played at yep. Xavier, too. Yep, yep. And um, once the lockout uh, evolved, uh, Mike, me and Mike, me and Mike actually got waived because of our placement on the roster. And uh, so... That was, that was actually my first team I signed with, but um, I didn't spend the whole season with them. But after that, the following year, 2000-2001, I walked on and uh, made the team with Seattle Supersonics. Mm -hmm. And that's where I started 40 games and, you know, I got my chance. That was probably my best year out of my three years in the NBA when I was with Seattle. So talk about how different the NBA grind is than college. Because when I talk to a lot of guys that I know that are in the league, especially Bearcat players, the NBA grind is completely different. Obviously, 82 regular season games, and you've you know, got the playoffs to be fortunate enough to make it. But the grind's so different. Well, um, you know, you play in the NBA, you make it to the next level. You know, you're playing with guys and you're playing for coaches that, that know the game. You know, you, you got the athletic skills and they see something that they can show, they, they see a way that they can show you to evolve in the game, you know, and to help you work on your game. It's going to, to help you work on your game is, you know, it becomes easier. Like, right. when, I, when, I, when, I, when I was at UC, I mean, obviously we did have, a, we had that hard, that hard ass floor, couldn't <laughs> see what semen under it. Uh huh. But when I was at UC, I didn't, I never really thought, thought about jumping up and hitting the rim with my elbow. I didn't think that I could. I thought I was too heavy. And as hard as we worked in the in the in the in the weight room, I thought I would have been strong enough. But when I got to the next level, you know, actually before I got to the next level, I was in. That workout I just told you about went to Indiana. Mm -hmm. They gave me the ball at the top of the key. No, was it? Yeah, they gave me the ball at the half. They gave me the ball at half court. And said bounce the ball two times and dunk it. So, so it was like right then and there. I'm looking like how I'm supposed to dunk the ball with bouncing it two times from here to there. Mm -hmm. You know. You know, you get your little stride, you bounce it, you get your, you know, your license stride, you bounce it, and you dump up and stride. 
what he was testing was my athletic, my athletic ability. Right. Which, which they, you had. Which I had. But he was telling me that you only need two dribbles to use it. Yeah. You know? And that's what one thing we, we don't get taught in college. Um, I watched a couple of UC games this year, and the reason I feel that they're struggling is because they need to slow down. You know, they just mm. they run around like a, 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 a pack of wolves out there. Yeah. You know? Like they need to slow, just slow down because, you know, you know you, they don't even realize in college you have more time on the shot clock than you do in the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But even though your game is only, what, 24 minutes long and our game is 48 you don't even get half of the points that we score mm-hmm. because you're in a rush. Think about it. Look at the Dukes. Look at the Kansases. They run when they can, but most of the time they just slow down. You got guys here, as soon as they catch the ball, they look and they dribble. You know, in the NBA, they tell you catch the ball, look, and then dribble. Right. You know, they catch the ball here and they gone. You know, you can't do that because you're working, working with the defense now. Well, I always tell people this, Art, you know, I get into arguments with folks that are not NBA fans, and they always go, NBA players don't play defense. College guys do. And I said, I disagree with that because I go to a lot of NBA games. The Pacers are right very close. So I go to a lot of NBA games, and I sit pretty close when I try to go to a game. And it's not a matter of they don't play defense. Offensively, like you talk about it, if a guy just has that one little step on you. it's hard to defend. You're done. If Curry has this much space, Mm -hmm. you're done. LeBron gets that shoulder to your shoulder. So it's not that they're not playing defense. It's just there's such a superior level, and they're being taught differently, like you said, Mm -hmm. taking that two dribbles, dunking it in. It's just a different level. Well, that's that's something that that, uh, even Coach probably tell his team today. He just used to drill it in our heads, like, we play defense. We're built on defense, but we're not going to stop anybody. We're just going to contain them. We're going to keep the score like this. We're going to keep the score like this. Right. So we know what we're going to have at the end of the day. We know we're not going to let you score. And, you know, you can't play defense and stop everybody from doing everything. But usually when you're talking to a fan, oh, these guys in the NBA, they ain't playing no defense. It's not that the guy's not playing no defense. The guy's playing good offense. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I agree with that 100%. So, Art, give us your best NBA story. Best NBA story. Give me your best NBA story. What up, you mean? On court, off court? <laughs> That's true. It could be, give me your, well, you either give me your best on court story or... I, got, I definitely got one for you. Um, you, you. You remember Aaron McKee? Uh, played from at the uh, University Temple. of Temple? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm quite Allen Iverson. You played with the Sixers, right? A yeah. Little bit too? yeah. That's where I played with him at. Yep. In Philly. Yep. Uh, me, Aaron McKee, uh, our birthday is actually on the same day, October 1st. So uh, me, Aaron, and uh, Allen Iverson. You know, we're our good buddies, Derek Coleman. We start to hang out, you know, joke, you know, mess around. So I think this was Yao Ming's first year in the league when I was with Philly. And I had to be maybe 2003, okay, something like that. I can't remember, 2003. Um, and uh, we, were getting, we were on the road getting ready to go, getting ready to go play uh, Houston. And um, Coach had just told me that, you know, they were going to keep me and, you know, he was going to sign me or whatever. 
And um, so I was kind of excited, you know, and he's told me that I'll be, you know, getting time here and there. You know, he wanted to figure out how he wanted to use me. So, you know, he got, I got word from coach that, you know, I would be playing against Yao Ming. So everybody on the team, you know, there was my, there was my friends and they was joking like, ooh, you got to get Yao Ming, you got to <laughs> right. beat Yao Ming. And, you know, I was a little nervous, but, you know, I wouldn't let them know. So I'm like, oh, it ain't nothing, ain't nothing. And I said, when I get that ball on them, I'm, I'm a cross more. I'm, I'm, I'm a dunk on them. Right. You know, like I, I used to jump. Like, you know, when Vince Carter put his elbow on the rim, I used to be like, man, that's nothing. Like, I could do it. Maybe not put my elbow in the room, but right. put my elbow on the room. Like, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So, so I just threw. I could jump up and you know dunk them. So uh, coach called my name and I go in the game and my first uh, my first possession against Yao Ming, I had to defend him, and you know I got him on a post, and I'm six nine, but I think Yao Ming was what seven. Three or yeah, he was seven, one of the tallest seven, in the league. Seven, yeah. six or something like that. But usually when I, you know, I defend somebody in the back, I have my arm on their back. But I got Yao Ming and them kind of lightweight down with everybody's butt. So I'm like, damn, he's kind of tall. Man. <laughs> so he spins and make a lap on the other side of the rim. And, uh, you know, we go back down and we spread it out. So just so happened, I'm in front of our bench, and we got the ball and spread it out, and they just swung the ball around. They swing the ball around, and I, I think they, I, I, I never thought about this, but I don't know how that ball got all the way around to that corner. I was in the corner, uh -huh. to me. And I got the ball, and uh, Allen Iverson and uh, Aaron McKee just so happened was on the bench. I was playing with the second squad. And um, they were like, oh, Big Six, it's your chance. This is it. Shine, baby, shine. You got him. You got him. I hear him, and I got the ball, and I'm rocking y'all mean. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And uh, I beat him. I get to the uh, beat. I go, I beat. I get past him. I say, oh, yeah, I got this. So I'm going to the basket. And I, my, my drill, no, I'm, I, I say I'm, I'm, I'm in the NBA. I got a, a, a Yao Ming, a superstar. Right. And I am about to get nasty with it, I thought. You're going to dunk on him. Yeah. I, be, I, I blew past him because he's so slow. Yeah. And um, my first foot in the paint, I think I take off. And when I look up to take off, um, it got dark. <laughs> He said it got dark. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Yao Ming was 7'5", seven, 7'4". Seven, so I go up, I go up, you know, dunk with the left hand, and it got dark. And Yao Ming was right, right there with me. When I blew past him, you know, he's slow dropping his step, but he got a little step. So he's step one and two, and he's yeah. right there in his hand. He's got to raise his hand. So I see his hand. I'm like, oh, instead of trying to dunk it, I try to go over him with a little floater, like a lob. Uh-oh. And Yao Ming blocked that shot so hard, <laughs> literally, <laughs> it went to half court. <laughs> and that's all Aaron McKinnon was talking about. Man, he started a fast break with your shot, man. He started were, a, he literally started a fast because they caught the ball. Right, right. Fast break and they were killing like, you. Man, I wish I could. I, and you know what? I got a picture of Yao Ming dunking on me. Like, he was going, I had a rough five oh, minutes man. that night. I got to show you that picture. That's crazy. Yeah. AI and uh, Aaron were hyping you up. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
like in a picture, I told you, like I tell you, I, I get my arm by the rim. I'm literally up there like this. My arm is by the rim. Yeah. But y'all mean he's already knocking the ball. Oh. Yeah, you got so, a picture of that? Yeah, I got you a have to show me after. Yeah, when yeah, we finish he, up. Yeah, he, that dude was humongous. Yeah. I, I, you remember Sean Bradley? Yeah, of course. Yeah, we played against him too. Dallas, didn't he? He had a. He had a bike accident. He's paralyzed, I think, yeah, for life, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, that was, yeah, tragic. But, yep. Yeah, yeah Sean, Sean Bradley was a big, big boy. 7'7". Seven, seven. Yeah. Um, Art, and I, and I do want to mention this. So, you know, I definitely want to applaud you for this. Coming from New York, Juco, Bearcats, the NBA, and where you are today, you've overcome a lot of adversity. And just like many people, you've made mistakes along your journey. But you've got through the mistakes. You've overcome that adversity. What has been key for you, Art Long, the man sitting here today? What has been key for you to get over that adversity and not just go into a dark place and just say, you know, forget life or whatever you you get you've gotten through all that stuff and our and I've all my dealings with you art have been first class you've been a great dude we had a conversation on the phone today and uh, I applaud you for where you are today how have you managed to deal with adversity well I think me by dinner my best way of dealing with adversity is just you know stand stand humble you know uh, I don't like the cold. I don't like to be hungry. So, yeah, <laughs> you know I mean, it's, yep. not, it's not hard. Like, you know, I don't ask for much, and I don't expect anybody to do anything for me. And um, I think a lot of what my decision making is today is it, crazy, but it comes from playing for Coach Huggins. You know, because he makes you think, made us think. You know, because we would always be into so much doing this, doing that. Every day, every day, coach would have to, you know, speak to someone or, you know, you know how it was. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. save someone's ass. But, you know, um, I don't, adversity, what is that? You know, we all have situations. You know, I mean, some people call them problems. I don't, it's just a situation that yeah. you, know, you got to fix and you know, give it time. Yep. So, um, you know, things may not be as gold as they were yesterday for me as they are now, but that, um, I'm, I'm fine with that, you know. Um, I'm still me. You know, I raised my kids, and not only can I learn from my mistakes, but my kids can learn from my mistakes, and other people who, who've read about my mistakes can learn you know, sharing with their kids, you know, sharing with you know someone, whoever. And I, but, I, I think that's great, Art, because yes. being able to talk to people about what you've been through, talk to them about your journey, I think you know that's helpful to a lot of other people that yeah. might either be going through things or in the future might end up going through stuff. Yeah, that's one thing about basketball, like you. You, learn, you, you get the opportunity to meet a lot of people and you go through a lot, you know, throughout, throughout your travels and, you know, games and stuff. So you, you definitely learn, you know. Like I tell people, I'm definitely a people's person. You know, I've, been to, yeah. I've been to more countries than people have been to cities and states. Yeah, like, for sure. I, I was on my second passport and uh, 
it's like you have to be able to, you know, if you go to another country and, and, and live, you have to live there, like, you know, eat, sleep, drive, and, you know, live there for eight, nine months, then you have to know how to get along with people, you know, mm -hmm. you have to, you know, be a people person. I mean, even if they don't like you, you read that, you, you know, get away from them, but it's whatever, but, you know, me, I just take one step at a time. Yep. You know what I'm saying? It's amazing how the game of basketball takes you around the world, and it puts you in front of people from other countries, different languages, different cultures, and like you said, you've been to places that the majority of people in this room won't have an opportunity in life to travel to as many places that you have. And there have been a lot of basketball players. I think about Sean Kilpatrick and you know other guys of the past who played overseas in a lot of different countries. So amazing experiences. So I'm going to ask you just a couple questions as we wrap up here. I'm live at Mio's in Clifton with Art Long. And just a couple questions here to, to finish up. Art. Um, let me ask you this. How would your game and your prime, when you were here at UC, translate to today's college basketball game? Because today's college basketball game is a lot different. A yeah, lot different. Yeah. A lot more up-tempo. I mean, we, we ran the motion at UC, so that's what most people are running now. Yeah. <laughs> running our offense, but my personal game here at UC in today's game, I mean, it would have been fine. I mean, you could always use uh, an enforcer. You always need a, uh, you definitely, everybody need a, a Draymond Green, or, you know, the ugly Dennis Rodman. They need those, yeah. you know. Yeah, the tough dude Yeah, the guy rebounds that, the ball. Someone who controls the paint, you know. Absolutely. Set a few picks, you know. You know, like you said, go in there and rebound, block a shot or two. And you know, that's what UC's been known for. For, you know, you just, you know, Kenyon Martin, Danny. Danny was a scorer, you know, in college and in, in the NBA, you know, he's a little slow, so but you know, just putting out tough guys that can, you know, go in the paint and do something. That's what UC's been, you know, for producing, mm -hmm. you know. Corey Blunt, you know, like I said, you know, uh, Pete Michael, he was yeah. pretty much a scorer, but he was tough. He'd sit down and play some defense and get, get in your stuff. So so Yep. So it was. Okay, one more question, and then um, I'll open it up to any fans. Uh, if a fan wants to come up and ask a question to uh, Art Long here. So my last question for you, Art, is in your time here, wearing the Bearcat uniform, and you think about all your teammates you've had here, if you had to go to battle, any type of battle, and you could take one teammate with you, what teammate are you taking to battle and why? Danny Fortson. Danny Danny Fortson. That's good. Good answer. You know that's how us big men stick together. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's a tough dude. That's my guy. Yeah, Danny Fortson. I mean, anytime anybody saw us walk in the gym together, they was like, they couldn't believe we were that big. Yeah. Like we go I remember we played against North Carolina and you brought that game up earlier. Uh, Rasheed Wallace went up and dunked the ball. I mean, and he screamed, came down and screamed on Danny. And I looked at Rashid, and I looked at Danny, and I saw a look on Danny's face, and I was like, man, he's scared. Like, <laughs> so I have felt like it was my job to like get in Rashid's stuff and like, you know, yep. just to get Danny off and get him loose. So it that worked, you know what I mean? And that's how we that's how we did it, you know. 
if somebody was heavy and I couldn't really get Danny to lay on him because, you know, he was just, that's yep. my boy. And the crazy thing about it, you know, one thing that I bet you nobody knows, it was like, he was almost like our mentor, our, but he was like our, our big brother. Yeah. Out of all people, yeah, I haven't met, heard you mention his name one time. Kurt Bostic. Oh, big Kurt. Yeah. Karate Kurt. Karate yeah. Kurt. He used to always be on me and Danny, like, because me and Danny used to always be talking trash with people. And Kurt, like, no, you know, I used to have to do that. You know, he's not like Mike Tyson. Right, like, right. He's a, he's a perfect guy for Mike Tyson. He's not just like, you guys don't have to. Say, he's still Kurt. around, too. Is he? Oh, he'll, he might be at the game tonight. We yeah. might see him, yeah. But, um, yeah, Kurt was a cool guy. Good, good people. Uh, any Bearcat fans uh, have a question uh, for, for Art Long? Uh, you know, please come up as we uh, as we wrap it up here. And um, once again, we want to thank everybody for coming out to Mio's and in, uh, in Clifton and checking out the podcast. Here's what I'd like to do, Bearcat fans, for those getting ready to head to the game. If you guys can give Art Long. A round of applause for coming in and being a guest. And we want to thank everybody again for attending another podcast here at Mio's. And thanks for checking out the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. Go Bearcats!